welcome to Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Bursera right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm so grateful that you joined us today, but really excited to have with us in studio an old friend of mine that I've known for a number of years, knew him back when he was doing a little bit different career, but right now, Tim Schuler, welcome to our humble abode. We're glad to have you. Vic, thanks so much for having me up here. It's uh, exciting to sit down and just talk with a good friend and uh, talk leadership as well. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of old times and a lot of great business experiences that have happened along the way. But you've changed positions since when you and I met. You and I met when you were with the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your new position is you're the president and COO of DNK Ventures. And we're going to get into what that is in a little bit. But you weren't always in this role. You were with the Pistons. And before that, I think it was, was it Budweiser? Yeah, I was with Anheuser-Busch for uh, 15 years. Yeah. See, yeah, my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> but I kept uh, probably sampling too much of the product. I think that would be a problem for me. But uh, All my college buddies tell me the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you've heard that before. Well, you know, honestly, let's go back to the beginning a little bit because you've got a lot to share with us today. As you go back, tell me a little bit, Tim, about some of your background. Where was home for you growing up and when you got started? Well, I'd like to go all the way back to when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, my parents were two of the first leaders in my life. Clearly. Uh, and uh, my dad was a scoutmaster and uh, went through all of scouting. I became an Eagle Scout. And the traits and the understanding of what you learn doing the merit badges and the various advancements throughout the scouting really prepares, I think, a lot of young men and now women to become leaders. But I was never really a leader in grade school, high school, nothing like that. It wasn't until the day I got to college and I went to the University of Kansas. Okay. Was paired with a random roommate that I didn't know. <laughs> That's and the way it happens, It right? does. <laughs> and I'm so blessed. He's been my friend for almost 40 years now. How cool is that? But when I walked in, he was the most loud, boisterous human and a true leader. He retired as a full bird colonel in the U.S. Army. But I recognized really quickly that I might get run over or do I become more like him? Wow. And When we all think about mentors and things like that, I would consider him more of a peer mentor because I saw the way he led and the way he chose to lead his life. Mm -hmm. And it kind of adjusted what I did. And my wife, Tammy, says, "Uh, you're not an introvert. I said, I think I am actually more of an introvert than an extrovert. But it was until I met Bill that I literally became more of an extrovert and kind of changed the way I outlooked on life. Wow. Do you think you made a decision at that point in time, or was it more of an osmosis thing? I think it was more of an osmosis thing, but, yeah. you know, living with somebody 24-7, you kind of, <laughs> you know, in a dorm room about the size of this room, yeah. uh, you learn very quickly, you know, how to adapt. Yeah. And I think that's what a leader does is adapt and change to the surroundings. And as we move through, he became the president of the dorm. I became the vice president of the dorm. Okay. And, you know, we joke on our dorm. We had the president, the vice president, the secretary, the treasurer. And so we put up a sign that says, you're now entering parliament. Nice. <laughs> and you meant that, I'm sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. As you think about way back in those early years, and I think about the people that have come and gone in and out of our life, there's people that I remember in my world that I admired, even back in high school, I watched them from afar. And I know they had an influence on my life, and I don't know if, you know, shared that with them directly, but I just know that what they were and how, what was that? And I remember, I used to love to get laughs in high school. Sure. And I remember there was a fellow that was the quarterback of our football team, and whenever he said something, he got the room to roar. And so I'm watching that, and I'm going, what's different? And it was his timing. And knowing when to quit and not just being loud all the time. Sure. And so isn't it interesting when you meet these people and you have a chance for them to pour into you a bit? You know, it's one of those things where your world, 
you had no idea that's what was happening probably at the time, did you? It just kind of it just boom. kind of happened. And yeah. uh, you know, that was Bill Sheehy. And then my first internship was with the Major Indoor Soccer League. Okay. And the commissioner at the time was a guy by the name of Bill Kentley. So I went from one bill to another <laughs> and recognized very quickly that he had a presence about him and a presence that he had by his inflection and the way he communicated. Yeah. And he always slowed things down. And I could always tell in the meetings that I was in with him that by his speech pattern of slowing down and not being the most boisterous person in the room, mm -hmm. people leaned into him. They uh, wanted to hear more. And, you know, for guys like you and me that like to be yeah. talkative and loud yeah. and stuff like that, it's almost like, how do we slow back down? Mm -hmm. How do we want people to hear what we are truly saying? And, you know, he's been my mentor now for 40 years and just sat down with him uh, about three months ago in Topeka, Kansas. And, you know, being able to learn from him uh, has been a lifelong journey. How cool is that? And, you know, I think you really bring up something for all of us that are seeking to be better leaders that... It's not about being the loudest. It's about being effective in exactly. communicating. And so you reminded me of an agent that I used to work with. And what he would do is he would talk very, very slow. Very what I found myself doing was leaning in, mm -hmm. right? So isn't that an interesting sales technique when we think about requiring ourselves to have to lean in to absolutely understand those things? Yeah. My guess is my wife, Tammy, would rather have me be quieter when we argue versus louder. Maybe I'll try that tonight. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. We'll see what happens. Tammy can send me a thank you note. Later. Exactly. So, well, you know, look, Tim, I'm just really grateful for your time and glad you're here with us today. I'm so glad that you're taking time out to come to Lansing and we can talk about leadership. And so glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Verschero. We're going to be right back. for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. You found Leadership Lowdown and we found a gentleman by the name of Tim Schuler who's joined us right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschereau and honored to be with the president and COO of DNK Ventures. And I'm telling you, Tim, it's good to catch up and hear some of this background. You and I knew each other a little bit later in your career, but coming out of college, uh, you had some influential, fun people that were around you, a great experience in Kansas, right? It was in Kansas originally, and then uh, moved to St. Louis to uh, work for a uh, racetrack. Oh, very good. And while working for the motorsports track and doing a lot of NASCAR, NHRA, IndyCar, I yeah. met a lot of people from Anheuser-Busch. And that's really where the whole career, I think your career probably started to form. Wouldn't you agree? It for sure did. You know, I was hired by the Anheuser-Busch Sports Marketing Department to manage 
Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh, come on. What does that entail? Well, it entailed a lot of uh, sleepless nights and uh, a lot of learning very quickly both a new company as well as a burgeoning new sport. This was late 90s when NASCAR was just starting to really get its roots taken off. And Budweiser had the vision to sign Dale Earnhardt Jr., which, you know, he became one of the most popular drivers. Legends. Yeah. Legend. And uh, so, you know, I was in charge of trying to make sure that that asset that they paid millions for actually helped them sell some beer. Yeah, right. And, you know, was grounded in being able to work with so many talented people. Yeah. And the guy who hired me, Mike Hargrave, he said, the great thing that you have here is you have assets mm. and you have people that you can rely on that are all A-type personalities and rely on those people's strengths, whether it's marketing, public relations, sales promotion, sales itself, right? Yeah. And that yin and yang between sales and marketing, you know, all the marketing mm -hmm. people think it's because of the way they market. <laughs> all the sales guys say it's because Maybe. of the way we sell. There's a voice of experience, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, right. But uh, along the way, getting to be able to see a behemoth marketer like Anheuser-Busch, and yeah. not just in NASCAR, but boxing and NFL and NBA and Major League Baseball, the, the presence of what that has and the influence you can have over, you know, what a product can do for you. Sure. It truly was like an NBA program of working with very competitive people. And, you know, our day was always supposed to be eight to five, but there wasn't a day that I wasn't there before seven and left, you know, before six. Yeah. And everybody today, and I've got a lot of young people who work for me who, you know, okay, well, it's 40 hours. Nothing's 40 mm -hmm. hours. What it, well, anything yeah. worthwhile seems like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, how do you share with that of a young person? It's not about the hours you put in, it's the effort and it's the accomplishments that you're able to achieve. Well, and Tim, don't you think that what you just shared, I think really lines up with, you got to be committed to it. You can't put those kind of hours and that kind of dedication to something you don't feel strongly about or something that's not either growing you or you're doing some good with it right along the way. Exactly. And we talked a little earlier about culture, you know, what culture means to somebody. And yeah. Anybody that worked for Anheuser-Busch, it wasn't the two free cases of beer you got a month that made you bleed Budweiser. Right. It was wanting the company to succeed. And it wasn't just our mentality, but it was, you know, rooted in our whole family. Like, we'd watch a NASCAR race with my daughter, who was probably five or six at the yeah. time. And she would want to know where the killer light car was because we wanted to kill the killer <laughs> light car. Oh, boy. <laughs> and just little stories like that, like, literally tell you that the influence of a great culture can have... Uh, not just the individual, but the whole family. Yeah. Well, and really what you just did is you just drew all of us in to two of the most dynamic names in marketing and behemoths in terms of, uh, especially back then in NASCAR mm -hmm. world, because NASCAR, ginormous and amazing. I remember knowing some other people that actually sponsored a race car and uh, a driver. And one of the things that they did is that they always were very good at telling the world and getting their sponsored logos and their sponsored mentioned. Yep. And so just the way that their care and attention to taking care of the sponsors. And then, of course, you've got Anheuser-Busch, which is legendary the way they market. And, of course, the world they market in. So there's got to be some takeaways from both of those. Any A1, A plus one events? The one I take away biggest is that Anheuser-Busch was the world's largest brewer. Yeah. And by being the largest, they had to be the most patriarchal within their category. And, you know, AB went through prohibition back in the 20s and, you know, early 30s. 
they knew what it was like to have something taken away from them. Mm. So they had to be more than proactive as a, a leader in the category and right. the industry. Right. In the new industry I'm in now, it's cannabis. You know, we have to make sure that we're out front and do the things the right way all the time. And on the back of my business card is a little model we have for our company, the highest standards. It's not just to get high. Yeah. It's to have the highest standards. Yeah. And everything that we look to do, we do it with that mentality. And it's whether it's treating a customer or treating a product or treating any employee, you do it with the highest standard. Yeah. And I think that's really on purpose, right? So it isn't as though you ever just wander into these things. And I got to remind me years ago of a friend of mine that started working right out of Cornell University, worked for Procter & Gamble. There we sure. go. And Procter & Gamble, in a meeting, he raised his hand. He's, I think this is, and he gave one of those, he started with, I think. And the guy shutting down, the guy that was there in charge of the meeting, he says, son, we don't pay to pretend like and give us your opinion. I want you to know something. So it isn't about what you think. It's mm-hmm. what you know. Yeah. I mean, and talk about a crushing blow to a young upstart trying to figure his way out in the world. But, you know, when you think about the brands and the organizations that you had the privilege to help mold you and you had a chance to touch and be a part of, that's pretty cool stuff. And that's really good stuff that you're here sharing it with us today, Tim. We're so glad that uh, you tuned in to Michigan Business Network. So glad you tuned in to Leadership Lowdown. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back. hiring capital area michigan works can assist you with your hiring needs all at no cost from large-scale hiring assistance to locating the right candidate for a hard-to-fill position capital area michigan works is your resource we offer creative solutions from career fairs to on-the-job training grants and scholarship programs to make sure you have the best and brightest employees visit our website at www.camw.org to learn more about how we can assist your business with its hiring needs This is the Michigan Business Network, and I'm Vic Verschero, your humble host here at the Leadership Lowdown. And I am so excited to be talking with Tim Schuler, President and COO of DNK Ventures. And of course, Tim, you know, we're talking about your early days with Anheuser Busch and the iconic brand that that is, and the ginormous marketing uh, effort that they are. But uh, when you have an organization like this, truly worldwide, did they just pluck you out and plop you down in one spot or they move you around a little bit? Uh, they moved me around. Yeah. Uh, so I started in St. Louis. I spent six and a half, seven years in uh, both sports marketing and international sports marketing. And then I had the opportunity to go to Canada to do all of the marketing and sales for Canada with our licensed partner there, Labatt. Oh, yeah. Or uh, InBev, which was owned Labatt at the time. And while I was in Canada living in Toronto, InBev made a purchase of Anheuser-Busch to make it Anheuser-Busch InBev. <laughs> well, I was there as the country manager and no longer was there a need for a licensed partnership when they owned both entities. Mm-hmm. So I was moved from Toronto or running Canada to Michigan to run the state of Michigan for Anheuser-Busch on the wholesale side of things. Okay. And was blessed with an unbelievable leader and mentor and a guy by the name of Tom Salava. And Tom had the patience and the understanding of knowing that I wasn't rooted in the sales side in the U.S. So he helped give me the tools and the understanding to lead a team of eight that called on 30 different Anheuser-Busch independent wholesalers. Mm-hmm. 
who had anywhere from five to 150 people. And how do you get, you know, what you call the behemoth to go in the same direction? How do you keep a share of, you know, 60% of the beer market viable still and keep relevant and motivated and continuing to do the objectives of the company while also working with individuals who work for us individually, but independent wholesalers as well. And I'm sure in your own career, you've learned that, you know, motivation and culture mean a lot. And we were blessed to work with so many fantastic people here. Well, I, I want to stand there a little bit there, Tim, because I'm ignorant about what you're doing at this point in time in your career. Because you, you got these people that are calling on these wholesalers. The wholesalers are going, hey, you know, we're putting it out on the shelves, doing the best we can. What else do you want from us? How do you build that into an energetic supporter and fanatical fans within your team that you're building and within the wholesalers that, you know, frankly, they're wholesalers, so they're selling other products too, right? They are. Some of them were exclusive to Anheuser-Busch, yeah. but most of them were not. Yeah. So we always talked about it in terms of share of mind uh-huh. and how do we make sure that those sales reps go into that party store? What are they thinking first? And we want them thinking Anheuser-Busch products. Nice. And then it goes to motivation. How do you motivate We can't just reward cash all the time. It's how do we invent what we're doing so that they all want to come along with us. Yeah. And along my journey here, my good friend Dog, not Dog, I have a good friend Dog, but this one's Dog. Dog? Okay. Swedish fellow. (laughs) He introduced me to a guy by the name of James Hunter. And uh, James Hunter wrote a book called Servant Leadership. And he's based in Monroe, Michigan. And his thought premise was, regardless of whether you believe Jesus is the son of man a prophet, or just some dude in sandals, two-thirds of the earth celebrate both his birth and his death every year, Mm -hmm. 2,000 years later. So what did he do? He served people. And by serving those that he wanted to lead, he was able to get people to follow him. So he then equated that servant leadership platform into how did we do that in business? We do it by being humble. We do it by being consistent. We do it by truthful feedback to individuals and be able to bring them to what you want and own people from their neck up, not their neck down. And it struck me as an accord of, okay, now I have a philosophy. Yeah. Like, how do I move forward with a good, great philosophy of servant leadership? And it served me well because I serve others now. Look at what just happened there, Tim. That just blows me away. And I think that's so cool Because a lot of us can get the slogan of the day, the bumper sticker, but what you just turned it into and said, no, 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 it's not about bumper stickers. It's about a philosophy that commands me, Mm -hmm. that drives me, that I feel within me. And once you internalize it to that extent, you now are operating different, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, when young, we all want to be successful and we all think success is about money and size of house and, you know, toys, boats. RVs, whatever it might be. And now that I'm 55, my success comes from helping others achieve mm. their success. I love that. And there's no greater reward, whether it's your child or somebody you've mentored, that when you see them succeed in their eyes of what success is, that makes you even happier as an individual. Yeah. And really, it's a thrill of success. But, you know, I think you also bring up something that I really enjoyed. I've never really loved the idea of being in sales directly. I've always loved helping manage sales because it was helping people be successful. Yes. So getting success through others' efforts was kind of an exciting part for me. And, you know, when you're talking about some of your wholesale environments and some of the, you don't always direct. You have to have influence. And mm-hmm. so it's not a command and control. 
environment at all. It's all about trying, to your point, get in the headspace and also make sure, and I love your point, it's not about just hiring a body from the neck down. It's about hiring everything that's part of that individual that uh, makes them think and grow and do the right things every day. So, wow, Tim, I'm just blown away. I'm so glad that we got uh, time to get you here in the studio and so glad that you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Verscher, and we'll be right back. Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschereau, and with me today in studio is Tim Schuler, and I'm taking notes and really enjoying the time we have together. He's president and CEO of DNK Ventures, and of course, Tim, as we were talking, you know, we talked about Anheuser-Busch, we talked about the early years and some of the iconic brands that you've been touching along the way, which includes the world-class Budweiser Brewery, if you will, and then also we've got NASCAR, which are mighty, mighty brands. Well, you were involved with another brand. That's where I met you. And that brand is the Detroit Pistons, which is a pretty strong brand. But win-loss may be a little different things for us, you know, from time to time. But we do have some championships. And, of course, it makes the city go on vibrate when great sports teams are going and going strong. Everybody gets excited. But I met you part of the Pistons organization. And tell me about your time there, because that was a cool job, too, I think. It was. Again, going back to my college buddies, I said I worked in NASCAR, beer, now in the NBA, but yeah. I didn't play point guard. So the first day I was hired, I drive to the Palace, um, which is no longer there anymore, but I pull up and on the marquee, they're welcoming Stan Van Gundy to uh, become the new general manager and president of the Pistons. Yeah. And, you know, I was excited because I thought he was, you know, someone who could take the Pistons franchise and bring it back to its glory. Like you mentioned, you've had three championships in the last 35 years. There's not a lot of teams that can boast mm-hmm. that. No. And being able to be in that environment of understanding what a team needs to do to come together while also being hamstrung with current assets of yeah. where do you go? Mm. And early on, he, you know, had to re-engineer the entire lineup basically. And he brought in a young star, Reggie Jackson, midway through our first year there. And he was young and raw. And we were in a meeting one day with a bunch of other sponsors. I'm not sure if you were at the dinner or not, but somebody asked the question to Stan, when is Reggie going to stand up and be a leader? Stan paused and looked at everyone in the room and said, you guys are all successful business people right now. You're all over 45 years of age. You're asking when is a 25-year-old going to become a leader? You can't just flip a switch. Yeah. And... It takes time to develop, and as much as he believed in Reggie at the time, you can't just make anyone the leader of the floor. And 
you can ornate or you can coronate a leader, but that doesn't make them the leader. And I think that's the hardest thing within an NBA locker room is how do you choose who's going to be the leader and who's going to be the follower? Well, doesn't it come back, Tim, to that culture word that we were talking about earlier? I mean, the culture thing is makes a difference. And I think you got to build culture and then leadership tends to emerge, doesn't it? Leadership does emerge that way. And, you know, the core of any relationship, whether it's with your child, your spouse, your boss, your neighbor is going to be trust. Yeah. And how do you build that trust? And trust is not inherently just going to happen. It builds over time. Yeah. And it's being consistent and being not braggadocious as you go through life of Okay, I know what I can count on in that individual or what I can't count on. We talked already today about mentors. I tell my kids all the time, you're going to learn something from every leader you have. Mm. Some of it's going to be the good things they do. Yeah. A lot of it at times is going to be the things they don't do very well. (laughs) Exactly. And when you walk out of a room and you're frustrated and they didn't treat me the way I wanted to be treated, write that down. Yeah. Because you're going to be at some point in that position to lead. And make sure that you're not treating that individual like you were just treated. Man, that's great coaching, Tim, because honestly, in my mind, I've had those supervisor bosses or whatever, and those were the ones where they did things, and I thought, man, if I ever get in charge, I will never, ever treat somebody that way. Mm -hmm. Those are almost as searing of a moment in your mind as the positive things. You know, the positive things all feel good, and you may not remember it as well as when you're really upset. Yeah. And then I've had some like that, that, you know, way too overcritical of how you're doing things and deliver the message the wrong way. Yeah. And, you know, I've had some hard bosses. I mentioned Bill, my first mentor. Boy, he was critical. Mm-hmm. But the way he delivered the message, I never wanted to make him disappointed in me. Whereas others deliver that message and you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get out of this room because... I don't need to be treated like that as a human. Right? <laughs> Tim, I just was sharing the story the other day with somebody, and I won't go on through it today. But exactly right. I had exactly that experience. And when you let somebody down that you admire mm-hmm. and that you respect, you're crushed, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. And that's a searing moment in your memory as well, because you're going, I will never do that again. 100%. It's so powerful. So when you start thinking about the iconic brands that you've been around, tell me, were there takeaways from the Pistons experience? Yeah. So I worked with Jim Ross. Yeah. You know, he was the most prepared person for every meeting. Mm. And it really taught me that when you're prepared, you're more effective. Yeah. And when you're more effective, that's when you become a leader. And I look at all of my mentors and they're all come in different shapes and sizes and loud and quiet and different like personas, but they all brought different abilities, but all were consistent. Yeah. And that's what I think as leaders, we have to be consistent, be able to deliver that message so that they know what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I love where you went there in terms of being prepared and uh, really that's what this show is all about is preparing people for the leadership roles they're about to incur because at some point in time they may not be there yet but it's all about being ready when leadership calls so man we're so glad we called you Tim we're so glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network this is the Leadership Lowdown I'm Vic Bershaw we'll be right back
Looking for office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing and save. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office outlet has a huge selection of new and used office furniture from brand name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Save 50 to 90% on used seating, desks, files, and more. The office outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with Tim Schuler, President and COO of DNK Ventures. And Tim, you know, we just got done talking about some of the amazing experiences you've had in your life and some of the great moments of preparation. So we talk about maybe leaders that have shown you the way and showed you what not to do and a lot of different experiences that you've learned. So tell me, as you think about that, what kind of drives you to take on the new role, the one that we're going to talk about coming forward? Well, you talk about prep, preparedness or preparation. I always wanted to kind of run my show, right? Yeah. have my own business, be an entrepreneur, right? And so when the State of Kansas legalized uh, medical marijuana eight and a half years ago, nine years ago now. They then changed the rules back in 2018. They were going to have five new licenses. Grower, processor, transporter, testing facility, and then a dispensaries. And I knew something about transportation. I knew something about distribution. So I went and applied for a secure transporter license. It was one of two, one of the second licensed secure transporter in the state. How about that? But along the way, I learned everything about the industry. And the industry is very, very similar to beer. The grower is the brewer, the processor is the manufacturer, and the dispensary is the retail location. Yeah. So it was a legalized product done with regulation. So along the way, I met so many different growers and processors and store owners. And I met my current two partners. And they had a great company called Canalicious. And great name, great people and culture. But they kind of got into it because they wanted to invest in cannabis, but they needed some leadership and direction. And I thought it was a great pivot for myself to go, okay, I don't know if this transport thing is going to be as big as I thought it would be, but the manufacturing side or processing side of this could be something. So I drove up to Traverse City where I was doing already some work for them, sat down and lunch with them and said, hey, I think we got something here, but I want to make a pivot and proposed to them that. I sell out of my secure transporter and I go into partnership with them and run their company for them. Because one is a retired sheet metal guy and the other guy's an attorney. <laughs> wow. And we all bring different assets to the table in terms of leadership and understanding and technology and process and manufacturing. We make a great team, but somebody needed to be there running it day to day. And we've grown this small company from four employees to 45 employees today. Wow. We Moved our Detroit Edible Kitchen from Ann Arbor up to Pinconi, Michigan, home of the cheese of Michigan. <laughs> Absolutely. But they were very pro-cannabis early on. And we just expanded a 5,000-square-foot building into a 15,000-square-foot building. And we make some of the best concentrates and edibles and distribute it throughout all of Michigan to more than 450 provisioning centers or adult-use retailers in the state. And i got to believe those 45 jobs that were created, uh, pretty good-paying jobs. Awesome. Uh, some is low and some is high. Like yeah. It's across the board. Like every other business. Yeah. And what we've been able to do is we've promoted a lot from within. Nice. Um, and names may not mean anything to you, but Bob and Devin and Chelsea and TJ and Craig, they're all people that like grew up with us and uh-huh. went on this journey 
that is turning out to be a pretty special journey. And they're all very young people and they all thrive on conditions of wanting to win. And when you have that want or that will to win, you can lead them in that direction. And we've got three philosophies. We've got three different pivots out of the stool. One is safety. And it's the first one. And that's both physical safety and mental safety. That physical safety of being able to go to work and know that you're safe at work. Mental safety of, hey, I know that I'm not going to get chastised at work for doing something wrong. Make it a comfortable and open environment. The next one is happiness. Happiness comes in a lot of different forms and people come to work for different reasons. Some just want a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Others want insurance. Others want flexible scheduling. Others want the respect and the ability to grow within the company. That, that happiness always is going to continue to be different for each individual. The third leg of our stool is profitability. My two partners and I believe we're not charity. We're here to make money. And that's yeah. what business is. But if you put those priorities or those legs of the stool in that order, safety, happiness, and then profitability, you're going to win. Because if you have a safe and happy employee, now our job as leaders within the company is to yeah. make it profitable. Yep. But if you put profitability number one, you're going to compromise the employee's safety and their happiness. Yeah. And I think it's really important to make sure that we have those aligned to make sure we're going in the right direction. Well, Tim, I love what you just did there with regard to why do people come to work? I mean, I, honestly, uh, I'm a bit of a dinosaur in my world, but you know, I think about what drives me and why I do what I do. Man, some of them were not what was on your list. That's correct. And that was illuminating to me because tapping into what drives your employees? Why are they here? Well, let's make sure we understand that because then we can keep that employee and retain them for a lot of years. So you must be in great conversation with them along the way. And hundred uh, percent. And yeah. meet literally every Friday just to keep them up to speed on what's happening within the company. But, you know, via teams and being able to do video conferencing, yeah. I'm going up to Pinconi. I go up there once a week to, oh, I was gonna ask. Yeah. to meet with the team. We've got a great manager running the facility that everybody now sees the direction of where we're going. Nice. And when that vision becomes clear, you know, having four or five people, you know, nominated for employee of the month means something, right? Mm -hmm. And we just hit a big milestone in terms of we bought everyone a coffee maker. <laughs> the thrill of a high-end coffee maker for a production facility yeah. is something else. <laughs> I love it. Well, Tim, I'm smiling from ear to ear. It's just so great to have you here and talking about some of the fun things that you're doing and the great way you're doing it. And we're so glad that you joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Mercer. We'll be right back with one last thing. Hibernation is over. The fairways have been cut. The greens have been rolled. Are you ready for some golf? We sure are with 81 holes of spectacular championship golf just waiting for you at Treetops. Book now and for a limited time, enjoy an overnight stay and unlimited golf starting at just $129 per person. Then top off your day with a relaxing massage in our spa, followed by a succulent steak and choice of over 80 craft beers in our sports bar. Call 888-TREETOPS. Visit treetops.com. Treetops, Michigan's most spectacular resort. Michigan, Michigan. 
We're here on the sixth segment of the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. We have one lone segment left with Tim Schuler, our guest for today, President and COO of DNK Ventures. And I have to tell you, Tim, when you were talking about that, there was a couple things I wanted to make sure that I understood. You don't live up in Penn County, although that'd be a nice zip code to live in. But I have to tell you, when you and I were talking about culture and building an organization, you're obviously got a good relationship with your people and you've got some great people that are involved. How do you stitch that all together? Because, you know, you and I come from an era when we were probably in the office more, face-to-face with the people that we lead, and now everything seems so scattered. Are there any techniques to build the kind of culture and the kind of powerhouse organization that you've got going that would make sense to those of us that aren't in that? We talked earlier about preparedness, and one of the things, Anna Bush, was span of control. Yeah. Right. How many people report to each individual? And that number usually is between six and eight people to where you could truly be effective with individuals and not have too much on your plate. So I've structured the company that I have six direct reports. So every Monday morning at nine o'clock, we have an operations meeting, you know, 12 of our most important people that run our company so that everybody's aware of what's going to happen that week. I take that a step further and then break down and have one-on-ones every week. And we talk about being in the virtual world, the technology that we're afforded today to be able to just flip a button and be able to see that person literally right next to us. And, you know, Tammy talks to me all the time, like, how do people miss anybody anymore? Because you can be so connected. I do a one-on-one with each one of my direct reports. And I start it literally by just talking about what's your life like. Yeah. Like, don't get into the nitty and gritty of, you know, this is your to-do list. This isn't a to-do list. This is a catch-up every week to basically keep a pulse of what's happening with them. Right. And it provides them opportunity to ask me questions as well as me to give them, you know, feedback. Once a month, we do what's called a skip-level meeting. So all of their direct reports have the ability to sit with me, whether it's 10 minutes or 30 minutes, and ask any question about what's going on within the company. And it gives those second-tier level people even deeper insight into what we're doing as a company and where we're going. But it also provides me the ability to kind of evaluate them for what happens when someone does leave the company or we have to grow into a different way to go, okay, well, I didn't think about this, but what about you in this position? And being able to meet with those second lieutenants makes such a big influence of where we're going as a company, as well as they buy in, because if they see their peers getting promoted, they're going to work a little harder. Mm -hmm. And not that I want them to work harder, I want them to work harder and smarter for us. And we have a great opportunity to grow a lot of leaders into our company. I'm blessed that I work with almost everybody under 35. Yeah, so, keeps you young. <laughs> yeah, if you're 55 and you get to work that way, it's a lot better. I do go up once a week um, yeah. because I think you have to put your eyes on things. You have mm-hmm. to, like Abe Lincoln said, walk with the soldiers and see what they need. Yeah. And there's so many great leaders and influencers that we've been around, whether it's through history or just icons of books. Yeah. Uh, my sister in 1982, I was going off to 1984, going off to college, he gave me Lee Iacocca's autograph. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so he became kind of a hero of mine because, you know, early on, he kind of transformed a lot of things, yeah. you know, whether it's the Mustang or the K car. But then I read a book, uh, Isidore Sharp. He's the creator of the Four Seasons Hotel. And when the average high-end hotel was going for over about $125 a night, he wanted to bring out a hotel that was going to charge $375. <laughs> 
<laughs> Go figure, huh? And he did it because he got everyone understanding that the customer is the key. Yeah. And if anybody needs anything, you can walk into a Four Seasons now and those flower arrangements in the front. If somebody's working on that, you walked up to that person and said, I need nowhere to go rent a tux. That person will drop their job and go help. And that type of culture and influence of, you know, do anything to serve the customer will serve everyone well. Yeah. Makes you want to go back, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we're running out of time here, Tim. I just want to make sure. Tell us in the marketplace, how are we going to find you guys? How are we going to find the products? What yeah. are we talking about? So we're in the cannabis space. So we make legalized uh, cannabis and put it into edibles. And the edible space is for the can of curious or the can of confused. Okay. <laughs> and that's individual of our age that may have smoked a joint, you know, 35 years ago, but now has problems sleeping at night or depression or anxiety or whatever it might be. or just want to be relaxed yeah. without having a hangover of four scotches. Now. <laughs> right. So we're sold in uh, over 300 different dispensaries across the state of Michigan under the Detroit Edible. And it's gummies, chocolate, peanut butter, honey, fudge. We're bringing out a new product in two weeks called Flower Aid, which is a drink mix. Okay. Um, so we've figured out a way to bring uh, cannabis to the masses through our edible line, which we continue to see great growth on. Wow. That's interesting. And Tim, if uh, somebody wants to get a hold of you, wants to get a hold of your organization, how are they going to find you guys? We're always looking for great leaders. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know where they're going to come from next or where the next idea is going to come from. So Tim at dnk-ventures.com. There you go. Is my email. So would love to hear from people. Well, Tim, I'm really glad to hear from you. Thank you for your time. Vic, what you're doing for all those listeners out there, I think is something that we all have to give back. And we talked about it earlier, let other people become successful. If just one of these nuggets works for somebody, I think we've done our job. Absolutely. Great stuff. And man, I've got a lot of nuggets here on my sheet of notes. I hope you did too out there uh, listening to us on the Michigan Business Network. We're so glad you tuned in to Leadership Lowdown. I'm grateful for Tim Schuler and his organization and all that's going on here and up in Penn County, Michigan, all around the state. This is Vic Versero. Can't wait to talk to you next time. <laughs>